what a, what a wonderful thing it is when the Holy Spirit guides and directs those who are serving him with gladness. And it's a blessing every week to come and spend time with y'all and share the, my, just, I just love the word of God. And you're so sweet to let me come and tell y'all about it week by week. Uh, before we get started today, did everyone get a handout? Looks like this. And a small little disc that looks like this that you're not supposed to be touching until later. But did you receive one? If not, raise your hand and we'll get one to you, one of each. And then just set this little disc aside and I'll tell you when you can pull it out and use it. All righty? Now, when we were kids, my brothers and I, we used to play hide and seek in the dark with my dad. And it was both thrilling and terrifying. And one of the reasons I'm wearing all black today is because we're going to take the lights down in a little bit. And it's a key component of hide and seek in the dark to wear as much black as you can. And my dad was so good at it, y'all, he would just terrify the fool out of us. But even though my mother, who couldn't take it, would be back in the back of the house in her bedroom with all the lights on and the door locked so we couldn't come in and, and invade that safe space for her. We longed to play this game with my dad. We loved him. We knew he loved us. He meant us no harm. So there was no reason to be afraid of what was happening in the dark. And my brothers and I will get together and we will talk about having done this and we still just laugh over it and have such a joyful remembrance of that time with my dad. In fact, we all would play it with our children when they were growing up. All except my husband, that is. He's like my mom. He sits in the corner rocking himself saying, this game is evil, this game is evil. <laughs> and so we have to give him a little, a little buffer zone so that he didn't, you know, we don't scare him too badly. But it was so much fun, and I think about that and how I trusted my dad, and I trusted that he loved me, and there was really nothing to be afraid of. And I think now of my heavenly father. There's nothing in the dark that can get me because my father loves me, and he means me no harm, no matter how dark or how bright it is. Even the darkness, the, psalm, the psalmist says, even the darkness is bright to him. The night is as bright as the day. And so today we are going to take a look at light as we revisit the golden lampstand. Another one of the psalmists, one of the sons of Korah, in Psalm chapter 43, verse 3, he is desiring to be in Jerusalem again, to be in the house of God on his holy hill. And in this Psalm, chapter 43, verse 3, he says, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Literally, that says tabernacle. To your holy hill and to your tabernacle. This psalmist who was in exile at the time just longed to be in the city of God and in the house of the Lord once again. And I understand that sensation because I long to be in a city whose builder and maker is God. 
In fact, in Revelation chapter 21, 23, we learn that that city, the one I so long to be in, has no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. There's coming a day, soon and very soon, I believe, when we are going to see the real deal lampstand in heaven, and it is the Lamb of God. He is God, and God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And that brings us to the electromagnetic spectrum. I find it fascinating. Anybody else? Uh, sweeping the nation, the electromagnetic spectrum. There you go. It absolutely astounds me. And many years ago, our homeschool group decided that we were going to base our year-long school study around the seven days of creation. And on day one of creation, what did God create? Light. And so I remember sitting with all the moms as we were planning out that year, and I said, well, you know, brilliant. Light's kind of boring. You know, you've got the sun and a rainbow, and that's about it. Because I'm constantly proving that sometimes I am the biggest dork in the city. And so today, I just want to share with you a little bit of what I have learned since that day about this subject of light. And so I will tell you now, it overwhelms me completely. And I do believe that what we're going to look at today is probably the tip of the biggest iceberg ever. This is a subject that is so deep and so vast. And if it and it quickens your imagination today, you just go crazy studying it on your own. I want to introduce you to this tiny little piece of what I have since learned about light. When God said, let there be light, literally he said, let light be. And in saying that, he unleashed a force, a power, and a presence that is limitless. The evolutionists want a big bang, Maybe that was it. On the very first day of creation, that divine aspect of the character of God, and Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And that divine aspect of his character was suddenly and dramatically unveiled in the dark universe that until that time was without form and void. And then suddenly light burst forth. And I want to just give you a taste of what that might mean. This is the electromagnetic spectrum. And you have a copy of it there on your handout as well. This is the portion of the electromagnetic spectrum that we know today. Scientists have discovered that light travels in both waves and in particles, and it uses both electricity and magnetism. This electromagnetic radiation, it transports energy and information from one place to another, even across vast reaches of so-called empty space. But there's only a, a small, small portion that we can see with our naked human eyes. There's only a tiny piece of this entire spectrum that we can see. And this is a vastly simplified version of the electromagnetic spectrum. So what I'd like to do if I can get on my right page. This gets a little technical for me. So, you know, I got to have my notes here. The small little colorful visible uh, piece that you can see there in that slide, the little rainbow, 
we know that all the rest of it is there because scientists have been able to harness it and utilize it in everyday life. But for our human eye, the only piece of it that we can actually see is the little visible portion that you see there on that slide. But we know the rest of it is there. For example, anyone in here ever listen to the radio? Radio waves are light. They are part of this spectrum of light. They are the slowest moving boy in the band, along that band. How about a microwave oven? Anybody got one of those? All right, if you use a remote control on anything in your life, you are using infrared light. The next part on the spectrum is the part that we know best, the visible light. So we're going to come back and spend a little time there in a moment. Has anyone ever been sunburnt? All right. That's why we buy UV protective products, ultraviolet protection. And living here in the desert, I don't know if any of you have ever gone out hunting scorpions at night, but you should be using, really and truly, you should be using a UV flashlight because they illuminate under UV light, and you can find them quickly. Jenny, that's just for you. <laughs> How about an x-ray? Anyone ever had an x-ray of any part of your body? Okay, all of these are part of light, the electromagnetic spectrum. And then we have the gamma rays. These are probably lesser known, uh, unless you have had them used in treatment to fight cancer. Oddly enough, this is one area of the spectrum that can both cause and fight cancer. Maybe if you work in the uh, nuclear power realm of things, you might know that gamma rays are used to check welding, uh, joints, seams, bolts, and all of that kind of thing. It's a diagnostic tool. We also can thank a gamma bomb for creating the Incredible Hulk. That's just for any of you who are, you know, Marvel fans. And lately, to my understanding anyway, cosmic rays have been added to the list, and I don't know anything about those. They weren't invented, as far as I was concerned, when I went over this with my children, so y'all have to go figure that out for yourselves. Now, I know they weren't invented in that kind of recent time frame, because I was asking my husband about it yesterday, and he said, oh, some friend of his, who's probably a 70-year-old man now, got his PhD in cosmic ray study whatever. So he's old enough that that happened a long enough time ago. But again, I don't know anything about it. So off you go on cosmic rays. But this whole spectrum, this is just, just a bit, what I'm telling you, is a bit of what we can, uh, what science has identified in this EM spectrum. On creation day one, Jesus said, let light be. And the consequences of that spoken word began and are still reverberating across space and time. And I think without end, the light of God will go forward into eternity, time without end. Now, we're going to return here to the part of the spectrum that we can see with our earthly eyes. Relative to the whole, again, this is just a drop in the bucket. And our perception of visible light is limited. So we're going to do a science experiment to demonstrate this limitation. I'm going to have Christy turn off all the lights in the house. And we're going to keep these lights on. And before you pick up your lens, I just want you to look at the light that remains in the room. 
and tell me what color it is. I'll turn these lamps on up here as well. And what color is that light? Yellow. Okay, well, those kind of look yellow. You are correct. But these, I would call those white. But do you know that white light isn't really white at all? White light is actually made up of all of the colors of the rainbow. And we learned those rainbow colors in order by a little acronym, Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Roy G. Biv. And so what we're going to do is... Um, take a look in a moment with the lens, but there is an aspect of the spectrum that I'm not going to get into today. It's a little too technical for what we're trying to accomplish, but frequency and energy are involved. Have you all ever seen uh, spin art where you squirt paint on that little rapidly spinning wheel? Okay, we, what we learn from that is that you can take almost any color, get that wheel spinning fast enough, and all of a sudden to your eye, it looks white. And then the wheel stops and you see the colors all splayed out everywhere. So from that, we learn a little bit about energy and frequency. And that's all I'm going to tell you. But I just want you to know that I know, you know. <laughs> so here we go. It's incredible to me that our human eye cannot detect white's constituent parts without a specialized lens. So these are called diffraction grating lenses. And I want you to take it and examine this white light in front of you and over your head in those cafe lights. And tell me if you see Roy G. Biv. Look up over your head at those cafe lights. And just take a moment and identify red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Can you see them distinctly? Isn't that amazing? And listen, those rainbows were in this room the whole time. We just could not see them with our naked eye. I think that's incredible. Now, I'm telling you, you have to have a specialized lens in order to see the constituent parts of white light. And you may be thinking, but I don't need a specialized lens to see a rainbow. And I'm glad you thought that. You do need a specialized lens to see a rainbow. It's called a raindrop. And God has millions of them in the sky with the bright white light of the sun shining through them, diffracting all of the white light into what we can see as God's promise in the heavens. But look, y'all, his promise is filling this room with this beautiful rainbow light. Now, just enjoy it for a moment. And we're going to continue on. Those lenses are yours to keep as a reminder of this study of the golden lampstand. That's okay. You're doing great, Christy. You're doing great. You're fine, honey. As you, yes, as you all you know, I, I just say tuck those Bibles, in, uh, Bibles, those lenses into your Bible or in a little spot in your purse or something like that. And just kind of keep them as a reminder of the light of the glory of God and the truth that we see here in this golden lampstand study. And now we're going to turn our attention back to the lampstand. I love the beauty of the lampstand and I am so thankful for all that it models 
For example, light drives back darkness. I don't know about you, but if you walk into a dark room, you don't have to carry a big stick and beat the darkness away. You just have to flip on the light. The same is true for spiritual darkness. Light drives back darkness and dispels ignorance. And I was both of those things before Jesus saved me. I will tell you now, living in darkness and completely ignorant of what true light really is all about. I want to have you look at some of these verses that will go by on the slides in front. John chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus said, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Hallelujah. And then remember when Sharon brought us a teaching on the Psalm of the Laver, Psalm 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The light of God shines in us and through us as proof that our God is real and that he is a saving God. And he desires to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know him out of darkness into a knowledge of him. Matthew chapter 4 Verse 16, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. And I know that was true of me, and I am so grateful. I bless the day that the Lord opened my eyes that I could see the truth of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Do you hear it? You are not in the light, but you are light in the Lord. If the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, you are the light of the world. It's amazing what the Lord has done. So then he tells us, walk as children of light. You no longer live in darkness. Don't walk as if you do. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness... And I would have been the dark thing that now is shining out that light. Light shall shine out of darkness. He is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The glory of God in the face of Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we see him in this perfection of the golden lampstand modeled for us in the tabernacle. But I, as I mentioned last week, that's not all we see. As a members of the royal priesthood, we see our responsibility also. Understand me, though. God does not need our help. But he has invited us to come in, to draw near, to abide in him. And the overflow of that relationship should make you want to go out and serve him and worship him and share him with everyone that you meet. If you can picture the service of worship that took place at the lampstand and picture yourself one hammered work with Jesus Christ, here comes the Holy Spirit with a fresh filling of oil for you every time you need it. I don't know about you. Have you ever run around the landscape feeling like you're running on empty or feel like you're just about burnt out? It's an expression we use all the time. 
The remedy is to draw near, to go back into that holy place and get yourself right in that right relationship with God. And here comes the Holy Spirit to fill you up, to trim the part that's all burnt up and useless, and to restore you, refresh you, equip you to then go back out and serve the Lord with gladness. Helen Lamel, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her name, wrote a hymn in 1922. This was a very dark time in England. It was four years, within four years after World War I had ended. And World War I, the, the carnage was extreme. You had the trench warfare and the chemical warfare for the first time, and those who survived and came home were horribly disfigured and damaged. All the flower of youth, really, in, in England and other parts of Europe. It was a devastating, very dark time. And in 1918, roughly the time the war was ending, there was a pandemic, a flu epidemic that swept the world. More people were killed worldwide that, from that pandemic than they were from World War I. And it's in that time frame that she wrote this. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness, you see? There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's in the holy place, in the abiding with Christ, that we can receive the fresh filling of the oil of gladness and the light of life. And then you're ready, equipped, refreshed to go out into this world and let his light shine. Because Christ lives in us, we are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, Jesus gives the you are the light of the world discourse. I love this. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. My mother grew up in Jerome, Arizona, and I can remember as kids driving northward up and down, you know, the I-17 to go visit my grandparents, and I always loved to be arriving just about the time the sun was setting behind Cleopatra Hill, because as the sun was going away, the lights from Jerome, and at that time there were maybe only 100 people there, and these lights would begin to twinkle off the side of that mountain. I was not saved. I did not know scripture. But I loved that city on a hill, that little bitty twinkling bit of lights. And as the, as the darkness grew greater and greater, I would see those lights shine brighter and brighter. And I would know that's grandma's house. That's where we're headed. We have a place to go. And I loved watching that. And I still do to this day. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, this is Jesus to me. He is the one who lights the lamp that's being spoken of. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. If he has lit, lit you, if he has lit you with the Holy Spirit, he's not going to then hide you. But look what it says he does. But he puts it on the lampstand. This is the same word that's used in Hebrews to describe the tabernacle furniture. 
He puts you on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And when we, I think, shine most brightly, I believe that's when we are recognize, most recognizable at, as children of light is when we're being beaten, when we're being hammered of one piece with him. It's easy to say that God is good all the time when life is cake, when the, well, you've got a dollar in your pocket and your biggest problem costs you 10 cents. But when you've got 10 cents in your pocket and you owe somebody a dollar, that's a whole different set of circumstances. It's easy to, to glorify God when life is easy. But if we can fix our eyes on Jesus in the darkest times and say God is good, God is good all the time, that's when this lost and dying world knows that we're legitimate. They know that what we have professed to believe is actual practical truth. To be able to say, the peace of God that passes all understanding is what I'm feeling right now when the world is falling apart around you. That's when they know that what you have claimed is absolutely true for you. That Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, even in the darkest times. And you prove that to yourself, to your family, to your friends, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, best when you're being hammered. Walking in the light, to me, is what true worship is all about. To be a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ is a person who can worship him even in the darkest times. I want to be able to always fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, who for the joy set before him, me, endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he indwells me through the power of the Holy Spirit, and his light is what shines. And the older I get and the longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I have come to appreciate those purification times. I don't enjoy them when they're happening, but I appreciate the greater and greater light that results. And do you know when I have to go through the fire and be purified in some way, the stuff that dies in the process, I don't miss at all. And I'm thankful that the Lord has loved me enough to put me through the fire and to remove those things that displease him so that my light can shine brighter. And my testimony is true. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 6 and go down to roughly verse 18. And as you're heading there, 2 Corinthians 4, Paul, the apostle, was a great example of having suffered and been and come forth refined. You know, at the moment that he decided to embrace that thorn in his flesh, when it became evident that God was not going to remove it, and then he became the guy who was mocked and beaten and stoned and left for dead and shipwrecked and the list goes on. So that when he speaks from those experiences, we know he's telling us the truth. So as we read through here, I want you to appreciate that this is a man who was refined in the fire and his light shines forth in, a, in an incredible, powerful way. 
For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, certainly. There have been times in my walk with the Lord I have been completely dumbfounded, but not despairing. Persecuted? If you have not been persecuted for your faith in Christ, just buckle up because it's coming our way. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body, in these earthen vessels, we are carrying about the dying of Jesus. Hammered, remember, as if one piece with him. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live, that is, we who live and manifest Jesus Christ, we are constantly being delivered over to death for Christ's sake. That's the dying to self that we must do daily. Why? Why would we do it? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Sometime, if you feel like it, make a study of this word manifest. The Greek root word for it is phos, as in phosphorus, phosphorescent. It's the word Jesus used when he said, I am the light of the world. To make something manifest means to bring it out into the light, to make it understandable, to make it visible. Something that had before been hidden is now brought out into the light. And that's what happens in our lives when we submit to the purification process. God makes himself manifest in our mortal cracked pots, if you will. You know, if you have an earthen vessel and it's been perplexed and it's been cast down and all the rest, it's going to develop some cracks in it and some holes. But if there's a light inside that earthen vessel the light will shine forth much more brightly through the cracks. Embrace it. Let the light of God shine in you. And just like the sun rises anew every morning and renews the day, we are being renewed day by day, fresh light pouring into us to dispel the darkness. In difficult times, it really doesn't matter what you don't know. Push back what you don't know and embrace the light of what you do know, that God is good all the time. And then as the sun spreads its light over the face of the earth every day, let your light spread. We continue there. Look in verse 15, 2 Corinthians 4. So that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, can I get an amen on that one? Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary 
light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And just like we saw there in that little experiment with the EM spectrum, there's infinitely more going on than we can actually see, that we can perceive or understand in the spiritual realm around us. There is an infinitely greater amount of information that we do not yet have and cannot have in these mortal frames in which we live. But we are charged to look forward in faith to the unseen, that city whose builder and maker is God. And it requires supernatural vision to be able to look ahead like that. Look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I do know that the more I die to myself, the brighter and brighter Christ shines in me. Those things that he has ordained to purify me, I embrace them. Because I know the eternal weight of glory compared to the temporary light affliction that I'm suffering, they don't compare. What a brilliant thing to be able to hang on to in those times when you feel like you're going to be snuffed out. I'm grateful for it. And in the meantime, we have to recognize that we are very limited by what, by what we can perceive and understand. That's just a given. Because when... The creator said, let light be. He set boundaries on us. He set a limitation on us that we are only able to contain so much in this mortal frame. As long as we're living in these earthen vessels, we're always going to be limited. That's just a fact. But I have come to understand that the limits depend largely on the lens through which I look at the world and at my circumstances. And so what kind of lens are you using? Do you see Jesus Christ and him crucified for your sin? Do you see yourself hammered of one piece with him? Do you see yourself an exquisite ornament before the throne of heaven. Even though you're walking around in this wilderness, in that mortal coil, do you see the truth of God's word? Is that the lens that you are looking at yourself through? If your lens needs tweaking, let's just look at one more story before we close today. I'm sure it is familiar to many of you. It's a story of a woman who was living probably the darkest day of her life caught in the very act of adultery. John chapter 8, verse 1. And I will say that everything that is done in darkness will be brought out into the light. This woman's most shameful moment and the heart of those who brought her, all of it will be brought out into the light. And the dark, dark deeds of everybody in this story will be manifested as the glory of God and the face of Christ shines forth. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again into the temple and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and began to teach them. Now in that temple courtyard area, the different rabbis and teachers would set up 
a place. And then the students who wanted to hear them would seek them out and go find them. The teachers sat, the students stood. And that is where we find Jesus early in the morning. Here comes the son of righteousness. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law of Moses, commanded us that we stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. They bring their darkness into, the, into conflict with the light, and there is no contest at all. Verse, uh, the continuing of verse 6 there, but Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, who, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one. Do you notice the subtlety here? When they heard it. I don't know what he wrote on the ground, but apparently it doesn't matter because it's something they heard that turned, their, turned them away. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so something they heard, they go out one by one beginning with the older ones, and he, Jesus, was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. I do not know. God bless this sweet lady. Can you imagine your darkest, worst moment exposed literally before a gawking public? And here she is, and the light of the world is standing before her. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. And then Jesus looks up because there's a crowd still there. The accusers have gone away, but there's still a crowd in the court. And he spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Through what lens, this is the challenge, will you view everything from now on? Do you feel like this woman and you are living in this dark, dark place? Then lift up your eyes and look at truth and look at light and hear him, neither do I condemn you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Embrace it. Believe it's true. Understand that you are at one with him. Hammered, yes, but precious in the sight of God. Filled with the oil of gladness the Holy Spirit provides. Freshly lit with the light of Jesus Christ. And then when you get a grip on that, truly go and sin no more. Endeavor to make that the descriptor of your walk. Take your fresh lens with you from here and begin to view yourself and your circumstances through the truth and the light, the word of God. 
really and truly endeavor sin no more and be set free by the light of the world. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would help us to walk in the light of Christ's perfect love. We ask that you would grant us the grace that we need, that we can prove faithful in all that we do, including the lens that we use to view this world and our, and our part in it. Lord, I do pray that the light of the world would shine through us so that this world will know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that we love him, and that we want to worship and serve him with our whole hearts. Lord, we want to believe that he has changed us into a priceless adornment before your throne. And we worship you, Lord, in the beauty of that holiness. Please continue to teach us how to abide. And we want to be fruitful, Lord, so that you will be glorified. In Jesus' matchless, limitless name, the bride of Christ said, Amen.